0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Legal Tech Week, the show where we all talk about the top stories in legal tech and innovation uh, from the past week. And uh, my name is Bob Ambrosi. I write the blog, Law Sites, and have the podcast, Law Next. And uh, we're thrilled to have a guest panelist with us today, Julie Shabawale, who has been on this show once before all of like two years ago. It's hard to believe we've been doing this show that long even. Uh, but we have uh, so let's Julie, let's start with having you introduce yourself before we get going.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Julie Shabawali, and I am a legal tech journalist based in Canada. I write primarily for the Canadian Bar Association, but a few other places as well. And I'm so happy to talk legal tech with you guys.
0: Great to have you today. And uh, our, uh, some of our regular panelists here today, uh, let's go around and introduce ourselves. Steve, want to start? Hey, uh, Steve Embry here. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I write
2: the blog Tech Law Crossroads, and as of a couple of three days ago, I am now the past chair of the ABA Law Practice Division. How's
0: that feel? That must feel good. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, Stephanie. Uh,
2: Stephanie
3: Wilkins, editor in chief of Legal Tech News. You're you're muted. Or is muted or somebody's muted no what i maybe that microphone phone is too far away.
0: away i'm just gonna do this
4: stephanie wilkins <laughs> editor chief of legal tech news at alm i'm sitting across the table from joe and we are tech experts very clearly <laughs>
0: all right we'll see if joe can introduce himself
3: uh yeah no uh <laughs> joe patrice from above the law and the thinking like a lawyer podcast and uh yeah uh I, yeah, I think that microphone is too far away because it should have worked through my uh, through my sound. Anyway.
0: All right. Where, where are you guys? Joe's house? Or are you at- Yeah, the... yeah, oh, just okay. outside here. All right. And uh, last but not least today, Nikki.
5: Hi, everyone. Nikki Black. I am the uh, head of SME and External Education at Affinapay with my case in Law Pay. I write legal tech columns for um, ABA Journal Above the Law, Uh, the Daily Record and other outlets. And I also oversee and write uh, my case and law pays benchmark reports and our uh, legal industry report.
0: Well, since we are all here in a Zoom webinar, there's been a bit of a dust-up this week about Zoom and that has implications for uh, lawyers who use Zoom and legal practitioners who use Mm -hmm. Zoom. Steve, you've got that story. Want to talk about it?
2: Yeah. You know, I have to say, I was kind of shocked by this, to tell you the truth. So, back in March, um, Zoom changed its terms and conditions. And I guess they really didn't say a lot about it because I didn't really hear about it. But the terms and new terms and conditions grant Zoom the perpetual, worldwide, non exclusive, royalty free, sub licensable, and transferable license and all other rights to the content of any of its users for the purposes of machine learning, artificial intelligence training and testing. And obviously that kind of rings some alarm bell um, for those in legal because so much content that lawyers use Zoom that, that takes place when lawyers use Zoom could involve confidential or sensitive information for which your right is lost, very similar to what Chat GPT, the claims that are made about Chat GPT that uses any content you put on that for purposes of training the AI program uh, that it has. And of course, lots of lawyers have been screaming about that. Then last week, uh, Zoom announced that that was a, how did they put it? That language was a, quote, process failure, unquote. I'm not exactly sure what. That is Zoom speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> but they said not to worry, not to worry. We would never use any your content. Consent, of course. Um, but of course the problem is that at least the article I read, which was in Rolling Stone, um, the problem is that it's really sort of an opt-out kind of thing, and it's it's not particularly easy to to withdraw your consent and still use it Zoom, depending upon the configuration that the person who has set the call up um and the other thing of course is that that the article brought out is it's that that a number of other companies may may do the same thing um, in the future because this data is is really so valuable um it's more data than ever existed before in a different format than ever before and could be used in so many different and exploitative ways than it could before so it so it's real danger and I you know I couldn't help thinking about the the ethical opinion I believe it was in New York um, uh, where the, the bar Association said you know you, if if you have a confidential client information in your contacts and your phone then you can't share you can't agree to let any entity have access to that unless you're sure that it's not going to be sold someplace else and it's not going to be accessible by a human being. And I, I don't know why a similar principle wouldn't wouldn't apply here. Um, so it was really, it kind of, you know, kind of uh, took me back a little bit uh, since Zoom is the go-to uh, program of choice. Although the other thing that, I, that That I thought of as I was reading all this is, unfortunately, I say unfortunately. Maybe I shouldn't say unfortunately. Unfortunately, it may spur people to, you know, to to demand that teams be used, which is at least in my mind
3: is a lot clunkier.
2: Yes, a lot clunkier. But you know, if I if I were be talking to a client, as so many of us do, uh, using Zoom, I mean, now it's it's a little concerning, right? I mean, when you should. Could you say at the beginning of the conversation? Oh, by the way, you know Zoom might take this content. I, you know, it just opens up a lot of doors, and I'm surprised people haven't been talking about it before. Um, so that was that really sort of shocked me in a lot of ways.
3: Look, we're doing our we're doing our part here by saying a bunch of things that clearly no one should train themselves on. So <laughs> we're doing our part to throw a wrench in the large language model training.
0: Yeah, it's a little scary that it's training its large language model on our conversations here. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I wonder though. What you reference the New York ethics opinion. Well, there, what, there was one that preceded that that I think may have been referenced in the one you were talking about um, that dealt with Google Gmail, the free version of Gmail years uh, when it first came out, and it, you know it serves up ads. And that opinion said that. Um, that was not a problem for lawyers to use Gmail. That specific issue was not a problem because the uh, when Gmail scanned your email in order to serve up appropriate ads that might be interesting to you, it was a machine, uh, and so the language you just referenced, the machine was scanning it, and so um, for just Google's internal purposes, and so therefore, um, it was not problematic, in, at least in terms of confidentiality and ethics. So I you know, I think that there's different analogies, analogies to be drawn depending on which opinion you look at. So it's definitely one of those areas where you very clearly need um, some ethical guidance. So it'll be super interesting to me to see, um, you know, Texas. I just wrote about this for my daily record column that came out today. Texas, um, California, New York have all either formed commissions or have announced plans to um uh, come out with a, a guidance ethical guidance relating to AI so it'll be interesting to what, to see what they all have to say about issues like this and obviously others as well.
2: a couple of points that that the article made I think we we have talked about on on this show as as we go forward and these generative AI models use content they've used more and more ai generated content and and the article pointed out that that's one of the reasons that Zoom may be really interested in this because this is not going to be AI-generated content. And, of course, the sort of the conclusion of the article, you know, the, you know, the author said, you know, despite all the, 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 the uh, assurances by Zoom, just like Meta and Twitter and all these other, you know, social media platforms, we can just trust them that they're not going to do anything, violate our sacred privacy rights, right? I mean, just trust us. (laughs) Well,
4: I mean, it might not be for the exact same reasons, but I mean, even like when things went virtual during the pandemic, everyone was saying, don't use Zoom for your depositions or your court hearings. Like people created secure systems for that. And so maybe we just need to use those for all legal meetings. Like it's not that much of a stretch. I know this is taking things a step farther and we didn't know these policies were there, but I mean, probably in retrospect, we shouldn't have been doing it in the first place.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that there are legal specific video conferencing applications out there that are encrypted uh, and secure. uh, And you don't have to be using Zoom for meetings with your clients. Uh, Legal is one that's been around for a number of years. uh, And uh, there are others specifically designed for that purpose. I mean, part of what shocked me about this is just how much how poorly just Zoom handled this over the last few days or over the last week or so since this came out and apparently it was like Hacker News or something that, that disclosed it, and then they sort of immediately put out this this uh, you know statement that oh, oh no we're not we're not using this, and they amended their their terms of service I guess to uh, put the statement in that, that that they're you know not going to use it to train their AI model, but uh, they they did not change the other language in the terms right. of service that basically gave them the absolute right to use right. user content for whatever the heck they want to use it for. Just, just trust like, us, you know, yeah, just trust yeah. us guys.
2: <laughs>
4: what was the term you said they use, like process error or something? I mean, process, I think that's just, yeah. I think to, that's just gonna, code yeah. for somebody figured this out and caught us.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's yeah. code, that we fucked yeah. up. <laughs> exactly. yeah, right. they got, they got dragged
1: it? on uh, social media because it was, a comms person, I think, who was responding. It wasn't necessarily the CEO or, or somebody who actually wrote the terms of service, like legal counsel. And so people were like, you can spin this all you want, but we, you haven't actually changed the terms of service. Right. And and Nikki, you brought up a really good point with Gmail. Um, they also were dragged uh, online about using supposedly using Gmail content to train their AI. And then they came out and said, oh no, 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 just for ads. We're not, we're not doing that at all. But um, as we all know, BARD AI is being incorporated into all of Google Suites. So are they using it? Are they not? They haven't clarified that either.
2: I'll have to remember that phrase next time I get caught doing something wrong. Just a process failure, Bass. Yes, I'm sorry, yeah. uh, shit happens.
3: We're yeah, having <laughs> way too many process failures these days. That sounds like uh, Trump's latest defense. It was just a process <laughs> failure. I.
0: No, he defends everything he does. He doesn't. He doesn't try and explain it away.
4: It's also like a, the tech version of wardrobe malfunction, right? Like we're just going to call it this
0: ridiculous <laughs> term for oops. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. Well, a we teacher? don't want to. We don't want a video conference uh, for fear of breaching confidentiality. Uh, what about typing emails in public to our clients, Joe?
3: Yeah. Uh, Mark in the chat correctly noted that that was the the right transition. Uh, so the scary thing <laughs> uh, of the week is that you know, for a long time, uh, above the law used to have a lot of fun stories of dumb partners who would get on their cell phones and say conf- have confidential conversations while they're on the excela. Uh, that was, you know one of those things that ultimately people figured out that they couldn't do. And they you know, started typing things and uh, that was a lot safer. Uh, it is no longer safe. Uh, according to some researchers uh, out of the UK, they had decided, wait a minute, you know, keyboards make distinct sounds and they're all laid out the same. Could we use an iPhone microphone and some AI and position it near a computer and it figure out based on the keystrokes and how far away and what's going on what the people are typing? And it turns out with between nine, with ninety five percent accuracy they can uh, and with ninety three percent accuracy they were capable of figuring it out over Zoom as somebody's typing their uh the the chats that I'm typing to the audience here they would be able to figure that out from the podcast recording of this later what I was saying uh you know some somewhat terrifying stuff obviously that like I think uh this is obviously something that has existed in spycraft it either in reality or definitely in mission impossible level spycraft craft for years and years. However, the way in which this is something that you can pretty easily put together with equipment that you have in your pocket uh, that's new uh, and a new kind of frightening thing. And my takeaway from it is, uh, I mean, we could talk about this a little bit, but my takeaway from it was maybe working from home. Isn't so terrible. Uh, maybe commuting is the problem. So we should, we should probably not let our associates do that
5: but that being said i, I agree that's that's i i i'm all for that argument that to convince businesses to let people work remotely but they did say that it um could also during zoom calls record the things you're typing during a zoom call and do you remember i think we talked about this in the show um someone else was uh using ai or just maybe just regular tech to look at people's glasses and the reflections of what they saw on their screen during zoom calls. So I feel like no matter what we do, we're just giving our information away by existing. My so- brother,
4: who's far older than me, used to cheat against me in card games by reading my cards in my glasses. But, um, but it's not even just the contents. And that's a true story. It's not even the contents of the emails. They're using this to figure out passwords, the keystrokes. They can figure out passwords too. So, I mean, that's like a huge security risk.
0: But we have the And apparently, even if they're like the quiet,
4: yeah, I thought about that too. Even if they're quiet keyboards, that doesn't even solve the issue. Apparently,
1: yeah. I'm wondering for the survey, did it did it uh, account for language differences or accessibility? Because I know we're probably all using the same keyboards, but other people right. use different keyboards for other things. And then also for language, you know, maybe I'm typing in French. My French is terrible. Uh, but, but hey maybe my uncle's here who's a French professor is typing on my keyboard uh, but you think it's me typing it wouldn't come out in gibberish in English right
3: so yeah so I believe as I recall this report it's been a couple days since I dug into it I believe they ran the test on French too and were successful with it Um, now wh- one of the things one of the the quips i make in my article is hey maybe it's finally time to peep for people to switch over to that dvorak keyboard you know that's always been out there the one that's laid out more efficiently and nobody uses but uh you know that would that would screw them up at least for a while uh yeah, but yeah oh yeah okay so somebody in the chat uses it yeah um yeah yeah or a password manager that would that would yeah. help too i suppose but yeah, so yeah, how does this work? You actually
0: have to be like sitting there somehow recording the audio of the keyboard and then yep. take it. And
3: <laughs> yeah, they used a regular iPhone mic positioned, I think, like three feet or something like that from the keyboard. And it was able to triangulate the keystrokes based on where uh, they were at that distance. Yeah, something is some distance where it was like reasonable that uh, somebody could be. And so- uh, yeah. So, Joe, uh, yeah.
2: given, given the fact that you and Stephanie are sort of sharing a mic, and she's probably about three feet from you, Yeah. Um, Stephanie, I wouldn't type anything.
3: Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm never good at participating in the comments anyway, so. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, it, so, so the issue here is not uh, your own phone. It's that some bad actor takes their phone and, like, positions it such that they can hear your uh, your typing. Oh, yeah, that, that,
2: that's why I, that's why I was warning yeah. Stephanie. Yeah, very yeah. clearly, Joe,
1: you're the bad actor. I <laughs> think <laughs> you missed
0: that part. <laughs> well, uh, okay, so apparently uh, AI uh, can lend to lend itself to some some security problems uh, or confidentiality issues, but. Uh, uh, it, Julie, you have a story uh, in which uh, apparently the Biden administration thinks AI might be able to also help us with some cybersecurity issues.
1: Yes, I'm curious if if people think um, an AI contest will save us all, because that is what the White House is betting on <laughs> in terms of cybersecurity. So they have started a contest, and all the major players on board—Google, Microsoft, and others—they are going to just lend their AI tech for free for this contest. It's going for two years for a four million dollar prize where hackers and engineers and the like can come in and create an unhackable system that is the goal of this because the government is worried about cybersecurity, particularly with their infrastructure and of course as we know law firms are still huge huge targets for hackers because of all the tasty confidential and financial information that law firms hold. And so the Biden administration thinks this is the best foot forward. And the article that um, I I have here is saying that AI perhaps is even the savior for cybersecurity and that we can even automate cybersecurity functions. Now, the thing that I find ironic is that we are saying artificial intelligence, which we just are talking about the dangers and risks, is actually the tech savior that we need to protect our information when it comes to cybersecurity.
0: Trust so, us. <laughs> trust
1: us. Trust the context. In two years, we're going to have an open source solution to our cybersecurity woes.
5: It makes me feel like someone from the... Um... Biden administration just recently consumed either like a young adult sci-fi movie or book where there was some sort of contest that, you know, solved all the problems of the world. And so they're like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Like, it just sounds, it it just sounds completely out there. It's one of the many things that it's just like, we're taking, we're in a simulation and it's a stress test. I know I say this all the time, but every day something happens and you're like, how can this be reality? Like, it doesn't make sense. We're living in crazy times. Like I, I tell you.
3: I you know so I think I think there is something to be said for AI because it can adapt to things faster than people can. It could be a valuable way of dealing with this. But uh, it just strikes me as though like of all of the this is going to solve all of security things I've heard quantum computing seems way more likely to do that than AI. So I don't understand why the contest is about this. But you know whatever it it'll be fun. Somebody will get a. Four million dollars or whatever—that's great. Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm I'm certainly that certain that Google and and its C-suite has been really pouring over this and trying to figure out how they can spend a lot of resources to win the four million dollars, which is probably more than they make. And as I've been speaking, <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's a really good point. I'd even thought about that. Like, what kind of what kind of like carrot is that the dangle in front of these companies? Like, come on. <laughs>
0: Really, like Clarence Thomas friends give them more than that for a weekend of travel. Right. And...
1: and this is in two years. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if four million will, will go as far in two years as it does now. But, you know, picking up on Joe's point, if we were going to talk about the biggest cybersecurity risks right now, it is quantum computing, right? And that's what China has been investing in for what, the past decade or so? But no, we we think we've got to focus on AI, and I think it's interesting that they've got the companies that are building the platforms right now that people are talking about regulatory. You know, we need more regulation over AI. Those are the same companies that are actually lending their tech to this contest. So I'm not really sure. This this feels very Hunger Games to me. I I, I you know, there's a 22 year old out there that's getting a big bonus for thinking up this idea.
4: I was absolutely thinking like a dystopian YA novel. So I'm glad you said Hunger Games. But I guess if we live in that simulation, those are the hackers that want to do the bad. So might as well give them the contest to do the good. I don't know.
3: I'm sorry. Are we then going to make them... (laughs) make the two finalists like kill each other for sport. And we it, like, <laughs> I, like I like I understand dystopian novels, young adult novels here. But I feel like Hunger Games might not be the one that we're going with. Unless unless you do have a bolder vision for the White House's security regime. Uh, and that would be a more fun contest. And hey, we'd finally we could finally get the uh, Musk Zuckerberg cage fight that we were all supposed to get, you know?
5: <laughs> well, I think at that point, two years down the road, This, the stress test will almost be complete. So the most ridiculous stuff is going to be happening anyway. So that probably won't even be surprising either of those eventualities. It's just going to be part of the craziness of our lives. So it'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. By then the robots will rise up and they will kill the best hacker because
4: they will give away their secrets. This has all been put in place by the robots.
0: (laughs) I'm watching, I'm watching this discussion go by about the uh, keyboards and, uh, uh, I, I have a very loud keyboard. I don't know about you, people, and sometimes I also use a mechanical keyboard, thanks to LegalType, uh, and which is even louder. And I'm thinking, uh, are there people that I'm like interviewing, or in fact, know exactly what I'm typing the entire time I'm interviewing? I'm never going to talk to Tony Valenti on Zoom again. That's 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 over. Sorry. Um. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, if if uh, if uh, if AI uh, doesn't necessarily come to the rescue uh, in cybersecurity, Uh, maybe uh, new laws and regulations written for the era of AI? Is there any kind of a transition there? Um, Nikki, what do you say?
5: Well, so I thought this article was super interesting. I think that it's, I should say that CPO uh, Magazine, which is where it came from, their editors were not on duty when this was published because it's written and horribly edited. That being said. I think it's Google
0: translators. I think it was translated because it makes no sense.
5: The guy was, um, the author is uh, Polish. So I think maybe that's part of it, but it's horribly edited. That being said, um, and I'll put it here in the comments. The uh, concept is a really interesting one, although an improbable one, in my opinion. Um, What he is, what he talks about and posits is that, um, in order to, because we're heading into an AI driven future where artificial intelligence tools provide us with all of our information, our laws and regulations are currently not encoded properly. They're written for human minds, not machines. And so what he suggests is that we need to re and rewrite all of our laws and regulations um, from a coder's perspective with the um, coding semantics you know, semantics that um, machines will understand, that computers will understand, in addition to like tags and that type of thing. So that that way, when we make inquiries about our um, laws and regulations, um, we'll get really accurate instantaneous results. Um, And and he also touches a little bit on access to justice, if I recall correctly as well. But I thought it was a fascinating idea, um, just the idea that if this is the future we're headed towards, We're finally going to have to rewrite all of our laws to comport with how computers view the world. And I thought it was really interesting, but I think we can barely get our legislators to pass a single law. I can't imagine how they would agree to rewrite the entire, rewrite everything in this particular structure. But I thought it was a really interesting concept. Uh,
3: Put a writer on it that does something like really ridiculous, like uh, just put a writer on it that says that uh, and Hunter Biden is sentenced to life in prison. And then... Maybe you could get a bipartisan consensus to pass something Uh, like you got to think outside the box to get bipartisanship here.
1: Well, I was reading this article thinking, thinking, does anybody
0: go ahead? I'm sorry.
1: No, that's okay. I'm getting a lag here. Zoom is not enjoying the content that we're bringing to. to We've made it it mad. (laughs) <laughs> we have, we have, but I'm just thinking of all those terrible hearings they had with Meta and Google and others where they're like, is, is this how retweet works? Is this how sharing works? And these are the folks who are able to write legislation in a way that can be coded correctly. <laughs> they can they can be like, I think they finally figured out how Facebook works now, even, you know, and, and maybe they're probably still confused about what X is because wasn't that, where's twitter now so i i just i wonder about that but there are researchers who have been working on this uh jason morrison canada has been doing this for quite a few years and france actually has several initiatives right now where they're trying to code their laws so that they can do what this author is talking about but i don't think france and u.s have the same politics going on
3: the um uh Uh, Oh god i i just lost oh yeah no one thing uh i was just gonna comment you mentioned finding finding out how retweets work which i noticed over the weekend changed to reposts uh in the continuing effort to light flame to any i you know actually valuable trademarks that they own
0: they're not re-exes um that's I mean, the I mean, thing. A, I,
3: for a while, they were going to call them zeet, zeets, like with an X-E-E-T. And then I don't know whatever happened to that. I, I don't even think they're trying to make them called zeets anymore. I think they've <sighs> given up on everything.
0: Yeah. um, But but Jason Wilson just said in the, in the chat, what I was thinking about in more than over a decade, but in 2009 or something, Lawrence Lessig wrote Law is Code or Code is Law or something like that. He wrote a book. It was an open source book published on the online uh, about the idea that a, a new system of essentially computer coded law is going to be necessary to regulate the you know this new world of the internet that hasn't happened yet but uh, uh you know the idea itself is not entirely new i think i think it's i think the author as you say despite the the, the grammar in the, in the article uh made an interesting presentation about it but it is i i also think it's Again, kind of like what you said, Nikki. It's it's getting any legislator to do this. I mean, in my day job, I'm a lobbyist, and, and I work with legislators all the time. And the idea that you're going to get legislators to completely rewrite uh, the books, uh, all the laws on the books to conform to some code like this, is just in tagging structure or whatever else, um, is is probably pretty absurd. It's like it's like the death of the billable hour. It's just it's not ever going to. We can talk about it for a long time. It's not going to happen. The problem with
3: uh, the problem with Lessig's whole idea about using computers that way is that, you know, as as a firm believer in this current Supreme Court majority, uh, the way in which you would have to interpret everything the way Fortran would have done it, uh, because that's the original computer coding language. And you'd have like anything else. I'm doing an originalism joke, people. Come on, anybody. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, all right. I'm getting people in the. People in the chat need to like tell me that was good. All right, never mind. Stephanie's typing laugh, laugh emojis, I can tell.
1: I understood the joke, Joe. I got it. I got it. That, we'll see that,
3: that's the problem with people muting themselves, is I can never tell if anyone on the panel gets it. But I mean, I get why we have to mute ourselves. But, but yeah, all right.
0: Uh. All right. Wow. Wow. Um, Let's that was an amazing,
4: <laughs> amazing one in the comments. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah. Could 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 you repeat your joke, Joe? Somebody missed it.
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> oh please save us all. No.
0: <laughs> um. Where are we? Uh. What do we? Uh. All right. Um. Stephanie. Um. I guess yes, uh, this is in some way. There's, there's no good transition to to your story, except that it does involve AI. So that's something.
4: I mean, that's rare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, it's so rare that we have more than one AI story on this show.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a lot of big law AI stories lately, though. So that's, you know, a new development. Yeah, mine was the fact that Oric this summer taught their summer associates prompt engineering. Um, they had Alta Clara come in they actually they invested in Clara like two years ago and they usually use them for more, more like traditional legal training subjects, transactional subjects, things like that. But they actually just asked them, can you create a course on prompt engineering, which they did. They gave it to the summers. Um, it was actually really successful. I talked to a couple of the summers and I was honestly blown away at how bright and pulled together they were. I do not remember being that on my game when I was that age at all. Um, But yeah, and so they're gonna roll it out to more attorneys in the future. And yeah, I mean, I just thought that was actually a really cool recognition of where this is all going and that we're going to need these kind of skills. Also a pretty cool thing to go back to your third year of law school having learned. Like I was joking when I just, to totally date myself, the cool tech we got when I was a summer is we were the first ones to get a Blackberry and this is far cooler.
0: Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> what cool tech did you get when you were a summer, Steve?
2: Yeah, I think I got a, a, number, two a number two pencil.
5: <laughs> I just loved yeah. how they were. Um, you know, it's a large firm, and the, all the data shows that larger firms are a, a, a more amenable to this idea of AI and uh, streamlining all the workflows and firing everybody below the top level. Um, but I still really it was I I really appreciated how they were sort of acknowledging the reality of what was coming and taking these steps to make sure that people in their firm started to understand these issues. So I thought it was, you know, granted they're like training them to fire them is sort of the impression I'm getting, but you know, they'll be leaving the firm with some wonderful knowledge that will hopefully help them upon their exit. (laughs) But I always get suspicious when you see the large firms doing anything remotely like that, but but I did also appreciate
4: that they were giving them, the training is platform agnostic because Oric is one of the, they, they were one of the pilots of co Council and they actually trained them on co Council too. And they even said, you know, I mean, co Council can give you tips on how to prompt co-counsel. We just wanted to give broader prompt engineering training. and and, it, and part of it too was about the responsible use of generative AI. And it wasn't just, here's how to write a good prompt. And I mean, I mean, Oric has always been one of the, you know, if you had to think of top 10 firms that are sort of tech forward, they were on there. So, I mean, I actually was impressed that they went beyond
5: just, hey, we have co-counsel play with that. Oh, I agree. 100%. I really appreciated the forward thinking um, way that they presented that concept and talked about it and that they're actually doing that for sure.
2: Yeah, I was I was impressed by it too particularly in the these times when you know there are some firms and some businesses that are saying well just nobody use generative AI just forget it you know and that's obviously not going to work um people are going to use it and so it was forward thinking and I also thought it was cool that they they you they gave the training to summer associates um you know not not just associates or partners in the firm that you know these are these are people who you know may come back to the firm or they may not but yet yeah they they gave it to something yeah yeah, they
4: gave it to summers first with a handful of people like in their innovation department also took it but they rolled it out as a larger trading to summers first and then now going forward are going to do a couple more tranches of their internal ai groups and stuff like that just the timing was right the summers got it towards the end of their summer they said but um again the timing was perfect we just launched it with our summers. I'm like, that's, I mean, it's pretty cool incentive to go back to the firm if you're really into the tech and right. yeah.
0: yeah. And, and if I'll declare one of on this, I assume they can then roll it out to other customers of theirs as well, right? And, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe even there'll be some law schools that might think this yeah. is a good idea.
2: Yeah. Although, although law schools are typically run as our friend Kevin O'Keefe said one time, they're run by people who, you know, it would only be a good idea if they thought of it. So if somebody else thought of it, it couldn't possibly be a good idea. <laughs> yeah.
4: Um, but yeah, to your point, Bob, also the founders at Clara did say they have other firms, like they've been getting a lot of calls about it and they have other firms that are interested in. So they're going to keep you know iterating the training and learning from it. And they definitely plan to roll it out to more firms that are interested. And I'm probably beyond firms, too, I imagine.
0: We, we need, do we have a rim shot sound effect yet? We need Den, Dennis Kennedy is on a roll this morning, uh, this afternoon, rather. Did, did the training show them how to plan for having their start dates deferred? Nope, probably not.
3: I want, yeah, I, you know, the the breakdown of our microphone system broke my ability to do rim shots. I'll, I'll find a new way of doing that.
0: All right. Yeah. We got to get the sound effects going. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, uh, I think I've been through everybody's story but my own. So I will talk about my story uh, that I did this week, which was, um, that uh, the law firm Gunderson Detmer um, launched it's basically its own proprietary uh, chat uh, uh, application based on uh, generative AI. Uh, it, it is right now using the open AI um, uh, model through uh, through Microsoft Azure. Uh, but but they've developed it to be platform agnostic. Uh, and so they're going to be testing uh, a bunch of the the various models with it, um, <clears throat> and uh, it, it's uh, got a, a couple of pretty cool features. Oh, let me drop it in the chat here. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the 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 main part of it is just sort of your s- sort of standard chat interface, They're calling Chat GD for Gunderson Detmar, of course. Uh, your sort of standard chat interface, but uh, they've got this uh, ability to do. Um, uh, basically retrieval augmented generation, where, where anybody uh, in the firm is able to upload a document or a set of documents uh, and uh, uh, a collection of documents in order to uh, help guide the querying and the chat and the answers that it's providing. Uh, and, you know, they're going to be continuing to expand out that capability. Um, Given that I've been uh, a, a, a writer for much of my career and, and a blogger for a big part of my career, I, sh- I should learn to be very careful whenever I say they, somebody is the first to do something, which I did say in this article uh, that they were the first to uh, uh, develop the first, what I wrote is they were the first US firm to develop a proprietary internal tool using generative AI technology. And I thought and possibly... that was a very,
4: very smart and accurate <laughs> qualifier.
0: <clears throat> yeah, because, well, so Denton's had like a few days before, as a matter of fact, between the time I interviewed them and the time yeah. I wrote about it, uh, you know, Denton's had announced that it planned to launch a its own proprietary version of ChatGPT, but it, it was vague about when it was launching it, uh, and so it wasn't clear at that point whether it actually had launched it, but, uh, you know, sure enough on, on LinkedIn, I've now gotten a couple of comments from people saying, Hey, we developed something like six months ago, and how come you didn't write about us? And then I'm like, well, did you publicize it? Oh, well, no, we didn't really tell anybody.
4: Well, the <laughs> um, number of so, things, especially in this AI space, I'd say that people were like, hey, they're not the first we did it. I'm like, well, maybe you should have said something.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, and and then you know, and then you start splitting hairs over like, well, what did you do, and what did they? And you know, a lot of people will just like create a you know an API into Chat GPT and call it we've developed an AI product or something. And it's you know it's not the same thing. Um but but I thought this was really cool. And I thought part of what was cool about it uh is really their idea that that it as much as they kind of wanted to do it to develop the tool, they also wanted to as 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 Joe Green said in, in the interview, their, their chief innovation officer, that kind of just want to get their hands dirty uh in playing around with this technology uh, and also want to get um, you know, people, uh, uh, the lawyers in the firm kind of building up their muscles in terms of using this technology and learning how to do it and get comfortable with it. I mean, he said a lot of the, there are a number of lawyers in the firm who are, who are very astute at it, but others to whom this is something entirely new. And so I just thought it was a really forward thinking approach uh, to to uh, to doing this kind of a thing. Um, Steffi, I know you guys wrote about it too. And,
4: uh, yeah, some of uh, the American lawyer picked it up, so we let them run with it. Um, on the Dentons, we did a follow-up interview with the Dentons people. And I think in terms of the, is it live yet? I feel like, I think they said it's live to some people like in the UK, and but it's unclear when it is going to go out across the firm, their particular one. But yeah, I think between these two and then also, you know, the Orrick training. It's just, I feel like in the last few weeks, I've been hearing from or reading about a lot more traction in big law when it comes to generative AI, as opposed to, I feel like for the last few months, we've been talking more about product releases and, you know, vendors doing this and it's looked, I feel like it's really sinking in. Like, I feel like every other day you see a big law firm creating a new AI, chief AI position or something like that too. So, I mean, it definitely is Getting traction in big law in a way that I have not seen most other tech do, which is, you know, part of our inevitable simulation,
5: right, Nikki? <laughs> <Mickey. laughs> right. Hundred <laughs> percent. Everything that was not now is, and that's just because of the stress test. So it's all good. I just, I just hang on to that, and that's my. It's comforting.
0: <laughs> uh. All right, that was all I had on my list. Anything else anybody wanted to talk about in the stories? Uh,
3: well, I, I can do some announcementing. Uh, there's announcementing. a bunch of yeah, no, there's a bunch of people who follow uh, this chat, and uh, you know, uh, people who are very plugged in. Uh, if you want to meet with folks at ILTA, you should be letting us know. Uh, because those of us who are going to ILTA are in the midst of scheduling right now, so let us know so we can work out how to get that set to get set up uh if you know of any parties happening by all means <laughs> let us know cuz we are in the midst of planning what parties we're going to and we need to know uh yeah those sorts of things
0: and if you want to buy us lunch
3: let us know oh, yes that. no we had a awesome offer for that which is great
5: or drinks or just you know presents gifts
3: no we yeah
0: we we actually had after, after uh, last year, after ILTA, when we were all complaining about the lack of food in the press room, uh, apparently somebody in the chat last year said, oh, I'll buy you lunch next year. And uh, everybody kind of let it pass and forgot about it. And then that person reached out this week and said, following up on my promise from the chat to buy you guys lunch. And so uh, that was kind of cool. I thought that it came out, of, came out of this show. And that person's in the chat now. So thank you very much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: We won't name names. Um, yeah, um, you know. Uh, yeah, we we're we're uh, Dennis raises the what about journalistic ethics? We're disclosing it. See the thing that Clarence Thomas doesn't do. We're right. disclosing that somebody has offered to buy us lunch. So now you right, know. and we're, and
0: we're only going to write bad things about that company from now on. Is the other thing we've,
3: we've oh I don't know about that.
5: <laughs> I was kidding about the gifts, just in case like that was not clear. Uh, at least I don't know if anyone else wants gifts, but I was kidding. Like, I really didn't mean it.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure. I, I'm i sure that GPT is not going to take that comment out of context when it drains off of this.
0: But Joe, you're it's asking people to schedule meetings <laughs> with us. And I don't know how we're going to do that when we don't know when the press, the mandatory press briefings are. There. <laughs> there. Like, we have to like guess at where we're supposed to be and when we're well, supposed to be there.
3: No, no, wait, wait, meetings. wait. No, okay. Well, may, maybe I'm confused. I, I thought they're, they're immediately after the keynotes, right? No, yeah. I mean, what if the, the keynote comes minutes. for an extra
0: half an hour or something? Yeah. It,
3: is it is it it's every the day, the day after the keynote, time but, or the so it's every day after the keynote, but it doesn't begin immediately after because they, they give us a 15-minute window to get to the new room. So it's 15 minutes after the keynote, and they will last 15 to 20. I'm just gonna call them 15, sorry. Uh 15 to <sighs> 20. Uh and then they're in the yacht room right, whatever. Right, right. Like there's there is uh,
0: but I, if the keynote is scheduled to end at ten, but it doesn't end yes. until ten fifteen, then is the pet- briefing at ten fifteen or at ten thirty?
3: Oh, that's a great question. Oh, wait, we're. Oh yeah, it, that's a great question. If that's the case, um, I'm going with what it was scheduled for, and I, I have to apologize to all of the ILTA people because my meeting scheduled immediately. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I emailed that question to ILTA, but I haven't got an answer.
4: But also like, on which schedule. I feel like we could do a social experiment where we each take one of the five or more different agendas that are out there that don't match up. And we <laughs> each take one and see if we ever end up in the same place at the same time.
5: I like, think that's it. a good idea.
0: And then there are press briefings scheduled at different times than the press meetings or something like that. Press yeah, conferences, so. different times than the press briefings.
3: Yes. I think those, however, not the mandatory ones, I think those are situations where they have gathered people to give, I'm guessing based on like the limited information I have, where they've gathered people to like give their announcement and they're inviting us to be in the media room at the time that happened, which is a... I think it's a lovely gesture in theory, but doesn't understand the reality that we're basically getting asked to do meetings constantly. And we have to carve out three weeks ahead of time, anytime that we aren't at a meeting.
5: Um, I, I like a, if there are actually segues. I like Job's suggestion, right? One, I am all over that. Are there really? Maybe there's scooters that we can take. You know, those electric scooters that they're, they have in the there's city. There's a
3: boat. There's a boat between. <coughs> there's a boat between the dolphin and the yacht club, if you want. I don't know. Uh, but is yeah.
5: everyone here, Julie? Are you going to be there or no? I think the rest of us are.
1: Yeah, I'm. I was trying to bring up my calendar, and then, um, okay, I, yeah, Zoom was like freaking out, and I was like, okay, okay, I'll just assume yeah. I'm going. But I am down with the segue idea. I I just feel like every legal conference now that I go to, I need a segue. It's just, how, how am oh. I going to No, no,
3: no, no. Sarah in in the chat makes clear there's a quad bike rental. Let's do this, people. Let's get four of us on a bike.
5: Oh, that would be so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's three buildings in the Florida heat. like This sounds like just torture. I don't know who came up with this idea.
3: So so the dolphin and the swan are right across from each other. That's fine. Even that's a walk on a hot day. It is a walk on a hot day. That's fair uh but the uh the yacht and the beach being across the a uh, bay, that is gonna be rough because unless you're taking that boat across, it is kind of a jaunt to get around the water to it.
5: Did you see paddle the, the they have paddle has, boats did, did you see that the Elta staff has sponsored golf carts in the chat? No,
4: they said that, that she said net documents have sponsored golf carts for well, uh, Elta yeah. staff. Oh, for
0: the
1: Elton staff. He means yeah. media <laughs> golf carts. What are we talking about, guys? Media golf carts.
0: Exactly. really. Uh, they had the golf carts last time it was at uh, Disney, too. That was a, th- a thing then. yeah, um, or they had some. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and uh, all right. Um, yeah, we didn't have that problem with double A double where it just rained uh, all the time when they were in Boston recently. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that I, was pretty yeah, rough. Yeah, it was fun, that, but both, you know? both Steve and I finally wrote our blog posts, uh, wrapping up, uh, A double L this week, a, a little bit late. And, uh, uh, we were, we were both, uh, they, they were kind of at wondering whether we were going to write something, I think. And we were both kind of hearing from some folks at A double L like, are you guys going to write anything? And I kept, and I wanted to, and I just never got around to it. When I finally did, I didn't have, it wasn't a really good, I wasn't thrilled with my assessment of the conference i'm sorry to say so i feel like it was a little bit of, be careful what you
3: ask for listen you know. you're very lucky librarians weren't charging you 10 cents a day for every day it was late <laughs> 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 oh,
1: that is the joke
2: joe's on a roll today <laughs> he always is
5: he had to redeem himself for that other one that fell so flat <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michelle clarified in the comments that the Elta staff is driving the carts. I misread the comment. So the carts are not just for them. That makes more sense,
0: all right, which I want to know which Elta staff are driving. It's like, I want the one that Joy is driving. I bet she's a crazy driver.
5: I'm like, now you're being picky,
0: <laughs> No kidding. Uh, all right. Um, well, anything else have you done? Are you done with your announcements, Joe? Okay. <laughs>
3: I All am. Right, I then. am.
0: All right. Good. Well, I think that's going to do it then for this week's show. And Julie, really appreciate your sitting in with us. It's a pleasure to have you. And uh everybody else, uh, we will be back next week with our, I guess, our pre-ILTA final pre-ILTA show before we some of us head off to Orlando anyway. And uh, hope to see everybody then. Have a good weekend. Have a good okay. weekend. See ya.